0: Hello, hello and welcome to World in Union, Balls of the East Rugby podcast, which has been on a longer hiatus than we wanted to actually, Morris, uh, Mick McCarthy here along with Morris Brosnan, how are you? Great, yeah, yeah, glad yeah. to be back talking about rugby. Looking for forward to talking about rugby as well. R- rugby's a weird sport in the summer, I find that uh, it kind of, it disappears off the radar almost completely. So even though Ireland are in camp getting ready for the World Cup and the warm-ups are coming... I feel like once it, it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, more so than, definitely more so than football. Anyway, we can't move without football news constantly.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, it's funny. You get certain sports like uh, NFL or NBA when the off-season is really more important than the actual season. And then you have other sports where the off-season, like i suppose uh, f- football uh soccer being the primary example where the off season is a bit repetitive so it's the same kind of transfer stories it's not really a huge shake-up like there's a certain element of kind of repetitiveness about it but then you get rugby where the season it nearly fades from existence and yet you still get really significant moves that kind of just fade from like i don't think the irish general irish rugby fan is following the Anglo-Welsh merger, which we might talk yeah, about later, or uh, that that kind of thing, which is probably way bigger ramifications for the game, but just doesn't seem to... I, I, I don't really know why. It just doesn't seem to register as much as in any other sport that these kind of potentially huge moves... Definitely in Ireland. So I, I yeah. think you see welsh fans are very agitated right now about this but uh as they tend to be but the, it, as a whole i don't think it, it lands here
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice dig uh you're right and it's funny because it's not it's not even the off season in half of the rugby playing world and i mean i watched uh, the super rugby final crusaders and jaguars and have watched a bit of super rugby but never kind of again it's almost feels like it's this sort of other world it's not the kind of part we're covering and it was very interesting in a way like i actually felt kind of felt really sorry for the Argentinian guys in the final they kind of just like didn't really show up on the day and they were absolutely devastated on the pitch afterwards you know like they were just like in floods of tears as only kind of you know a South American <laughs> the South Americans can be you know but it was uh it was fascinating stuff and that's like brilliant stuff and we've obviously got uh rugby championship coming up as well as the the warm-ups
1: yeah and like you know like the rugby champ like there's a couple of anonymous things from an Irish perspective on that, right? Like you mentioned the Jaguars there. The Jaguars, the biggest criticism of the Jaguars throughout Super rugby season has been that they're, like, and I mean, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a reason that they should be excluded from the league, but I also do think it's kind of true. They're effectively, uh, national, team. yeah, in, in essence, I think 13 or 15, the players that played that day. Um, you know, there's a huge amount of elements to like about them, but the fact that that is there, I think, gives them a certain advantage that whether countries just don't have particularly at test level um on top of that then you've got south africa who continue to look like they're really strengthening and getting organized at a time when it's probably the worst possible scenario for Ireland. the that's the quarter final that all things going according to plan that ireland probably have and i think the that game is suddenly become way more of a challenge even than it was six months ago to be honest i mean we knew erasmus would get them organized but i think the way this direction they're currently moving in is um is ominous
0: yeah uh absolutely and we'll have plenty more shot on that what we are here to talk about today specifically and it is the kind of it's it's our dipping our toe back into the water of the upcoming rugby season it's the first world and union of the the world cup season the 2019 2020 season and we'll be back kind of irregularly for a few weeks as we kind of get back into a sort of a weekly drive but what we want to do today is have a look at joe schmidt's 31 man squad for the world cup we know what injuries have already ruled people out we're obviously going with a perfect world outside of them and everybody is available myself and morris are going to go through the team we're going to pick our squad and we ask you to kind of give us your opinions get in touch with us on social media at balls.ie um, across instagram twitter facebook everywhere else email us at the gaffer I. E. if you want to get involved we want to know what you you guys think about this because we've been thinking about it a lot and we've been chatting about it in the office and we haven't actually argued so we don't know where either one are going to come down but there are a good few battles to go through i'm going to go through it in a minute um also if you do enjoy this show you can subscribe to at balls or balls.e podcasts you get our G GE, our twice weekly gea show there as well as this and everything else that we do you can also go specifically if you just want to do rugby you can search balls.e rugby and you can subscribe and um and rate that as well and you can just get our rugby content which at the moment is sparse morris but high quality <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we get into it though you did mention the kind of anglo welsh league that has been kind of going there's also talk it feels to me there's an anglo Welsh League that Welsh people seem to want but there's a realisation from smarter people that they're not going to be able to there's no such thing as an Anglo-Welsh League what we might have is a British and Irish League because there is an acceptance that if Ireland don't come along there isn't really anything there to work with
1: commercially yeah so like th- this is all going back to um cvc who've spent and look like they will continue to spend a huge amount of money uh in rugby in this part of the world they were there's talk about them and the six nations and the impact that could have on even broadcasting rights and stuff like this but to simplify this really cvc are invested in the premiership and invest in the pro 14 which has brought back around the idea or the, certainly a proposal that the anglo Welsh league could be restarted so uh, in the eighties or nineties, Welsh Welsh clubs were invited a chance to come into the Premiership. They turned it down. Uh, subsequently, they, a lot of Welsh journalists would argue that that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, if you
0: want to five know- places, I think wasn't it? Yeah. And and it was like that would have ended up in what the regions are for, even if they might have still technically been the clubs, and that would have been there in as a as the a workable regions. Uh, rather than what the Pro 40 Exactly,
1: is, yeah. yeah. And so you ha- you would have fostered certain rivalries with places like Bath, Bristol. Um, Gloucester, that, yeah. that Gloucester, exactly, yeah. That, um, that probably aren't as strong now or certainly the pre- attendances at cha- Champions Cups games don't suggest that they are. Um, if you want to know more about the... We, we can get into the ins and outs of the actual Western League now in a second. But if you want to know more about Welsh fans' frustrations, uh, I would encourage you to go and listen to Josh Gardner on our podcast a couple of months ago, who I think outlined them kind of in a in a really articulate manner and also in a way that made it a bit more logical. Than, I think the, one of the big problems is that there's a real kind of sense of looking outwardly um, by the Welsh Rugby Union and their fans when a lot of it is inward like mm. not chaos but certainly mismanagements and I, you saw it, we talked about the potential mergers last year and uh, how that went down and the fact that you know this was ongoing during a six nations when Warren Gatlin was trying to encourage his players to focus on winning a six nation trophy at the same time they didn't know what club they'd be playing for next year yeah um, which is a way bigger issue than whatever happens here but the the main crux of this right is that the anglo Welsh League has been proposed I think there's been some really good stuff in response to that, uh, I'd encourage people to go read... Uh, Alex Shaw did a really good article on this, and he looked at it from the commercial aspects. Like, pure... I'm not talking about in terms of the benefits for rugby or for nations. I'm talking about from a pure business aspect. And on that point, he pointed out, supply and demand-wise, there's a way less population in the Pro 14 countries versus England. That's why TV deals are way bigger. It's nothing to do with quality. You've got a, a scenario where... what like. For Welsh Clubs It might make sense That they were to come in With the Premiership Does it actually make sense For English Clubs Like do they bring enough In terms of Attendances The answer probably is no Currently no
0: Alex pointed out That the Welsh Clubs Going to English Teams In the uh, Champions Cup Bring smaller crowds Than Irish French, and even Scottish, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: even their, I think their average, the, he pointed out last year that, you know, I think the Scarlet's average attendance was 7,000. When English guards are playing there, it rose to 8,000. Like, the bumps are, I don't, I think that might be projected, to be honest, the idea that there's still some sort of rivalry there that they want, that Welsh fans want to foster. Yeah. And I think you can develop that stuff, but you can also develop it if you were to focus on the Pro 14. Now, at the same time, I do think there's an element from, from an Irish rugby perspective on all of this, right? Ireland do, like, they i think if you were to look at it purely from a logical perspective the pro 14 would be a lesser competition without the welsh clubs i think they've they've brought a lot when they were competitive and so to a certain extent we do need them now that doesn't mean that we or any of the, or the pro 14 as a whole really needs to support them no. but i do think that's or worth be bet. held hostage yeah uh, but yeah t- true but i do think that there needs to be a certain understanding that it is in ireland's benefit to hold on to wales it is probably in Wales benefit to move but it's not in Eng- definitely not I don't think I think it's been proven in England's benefit so that leaves you at kind of like a crossroads I guess
0: yeah and the bigger version then again bring in the Irish along which would automatically bring in Scotland would kill Italian rugby and diminish the Champions Cup yeah and and absolutely diminish the Champions Cup being nearly the main point really because you know you're just looking at it's it's Britain and Ireland it's the Lions versus France in a Champions Cup, you may as well just skip to the final. You know, it feels like, you know, so I think that would be the end of that competition. I don't think, so I don't think this particularly suits Irish rugby, what we're talking about here. Uh, I think we're away. I think there's going to be a lot more discussions about it and we'll have a lot more detail, I suppose, the next time we talk. I will just talk about Welsh fans. I've been looking at kind of a lot of, like people that I really like, kind of defending the Irish sense, the Irish kind of projection of moaning Welsh fans, right? Of which I am... I've been won many times, right? And then people like Simon Thomas, Miles Online, who will come in and kind of say, yeah, but what they mean is, you know, and just give you the more reasons, sort of articulation of, of what it is. So Welsh fans are moaning, right? And Welsh rugby is generally in a moaning place where even though they've got bigger overall revenues than the IRFU, they have massive losses in their club game, whereas the IRFU actually generate money through the clubs etc etc and are able to afford to uh, run the four clubs which welsh rugby at the moment isn't there's loads of reasons for that it's not all about the pro 14 as you mentioned earlier right so there's definitely a sense of welsh fans money. one thing they will say though is it's a lot better for a welsh fan to get excited about away trips to bath to bristol to gloucester as well as the derby's Where they just have to hop in a car, they're there in an hour, an hour and a half versus having to get a plane to Munster or having to get a plane to Glasgow or to benetton or treviso benetton's not a place (laughs) last i checked anyway uh so you know like basically wales are almost the ice we're all in the same boat really but wales isolated but they do have a rugby playing neighbor where a lot of the rugby is played in england in the west country right beside them that's there that is just it just makes a lot more geographical sense for them as, as sports fans really who want to go and support their teams now for me I see that as an excuse. I see that as uh, look going to away games isn't the be all and end all anyway. Why aren't you there for the home games? Exactly, Their attendances are yeah. poor. Yeah. You know, it's not as if there's no rivalry there with Munster and Leinster, yeah, or Edinburgh, or whoever. You know what I mean? It's it's like I don't know if that's necessarily going to get better. I see where they're coming from. It does make better geographical sense, but away attendances are the least of the problems of the regions at the moment. Like
1: yeah, and like the the, the idea about the. And we talked about this with Josh, actually, as well. Like, the idea that the glamour of the Pro 14 is what's turning, I think, uh, what's, what's turning Welsh fans off, that's demonstrably nonsense. I mean, this, that's, it's not true because that transfers across, it doesn't really matter about competitions or opposition. The one maiden fact is that the is are poor, and I don't know if rowing in with England is necessarily going to change it. Like, the, there is a, definitely a bang of uh, the grass is greener on the other side about this, um, and maybe it, it is, but and I I think this is it's been acknowledged by you mentioned a couple of uh, Welsh analysts there they've all acknowledged as well that there's major internal issues that need to be resolved as well and I wonder if that is where their their priority should lie right now as opposed to maybe um, like they're not resolved in their ideas now I think that I saw a headline described this as their holy grail, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's uh, that's strictly true because I don't know if that is if it would be to be their strict their holy grail. That would be to the detriment of the current premiership as it stands.
0: Yeah, and the premiership, I think that's that's a really really key point. There does seem to be a lot of momentum behind this. It feels like I mean, some reports I was reading as fake, complete. I don't think that's true. Yeah, that but came about because of a
1: an unnamed. Uh, british club chairman who said it's a definite in two years time one source who came out and it was yeah. quoted as saying that it's uh, it's a definite two years time I, I i don't know how much i can read into that to be honest
0: there's just too much if you look at like Say London Irish after getting promoted now, who have a vote as, as one of the Premiership clubs. What have they, or Bristol, or Leicester, who nearly got relegated last year, or Gloucester, or any of these teams outside of like Saracens for the moment, you know, and yeah. Bath even, like, you know, such a big club like that. What have they got the game but given up places in the Premiership? It's really dangerous for them, you know, like there's going to be. There's going to, like, unless you have, unless you widen it to two groups, like the Pro 14, which diminishes the competition as well. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I, I can't understand why there isn't more blowback from England in this. And I think there will be as it gets a little bit closer to time. Let's go and talk about the World Cup squad, though, because that's what we're here for today. We don't want to keep people any longer. We want to remind people what's going on in Irish rugby, even. They're in another camp at the moment, I think. Or, or yeah, maybe they just left. They were down at home Park last week. They're just out of it, the, yeah. Yeah,
1: So um, they did a... Like a tour of the nation in sports grounds and in Ulster and in just to open days with fans and stuff like that, and a couple of media briefings.
0: Okay, so 31 man squad. Okay, for the 2015 World Cup, here was Joe Schmidt's breakdown. Okay, it was a 17 14. Now, just a reminder if somebody's ruled out for the tournament, they can be replaced. Yeah, but if obviously that's not really the way you're thinking about things because if conor murray picks up an injury where he might be back later on and you only have one scrum half on the left then you've got no cover on the bench for the two games that you might need etc etc so you have he had brought three hookers five props that includes three tight heads two loose heads four locks five back rows two scrum halves only for the last world cup i don't think that's going to be the case we'll get into that again this time three out halves Three centres, five wingers, one full back. Obviously once you get to the back five, that becomes a little bit looser, but that's kinda of the 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 breakdown, the one full back being Rob Carney. It was a 17-14 split, which we're almost sure he'll go for again one way or another. And we'll we'll figure out exactly what the, the back breakdown especially is. I think the forwards are gonna stay more or less the same. I'm gonna go, I've I've gone through a list, um, Morris, where I have twenty definites. Okay. Twenty people who if it will be on the plane I think there's probably more than that but i've gone very conservative yeah. here right and then i'm going to bring you through the battles for the other places okay so te- stop me if you disagree with any of these i think there's one that you might be a tiny bit unsure of early on okay so the definites by props first keen healy and tyke furlong yeah S- hookers rory best and sean cronin uh, are you uh, gonna stop me on cronin uh, yeah i wonder about it like yeah yeah we'll talk Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, re- I, I I can bump him into the I can bump him into the the undecideds the battles if you want. I
1: I think across his, you can read a huge amount into how Joe Smith has picked in past. He doesn't tend to deviate. He seems there's an overarching plan. So when you look at um, what happened in the Six Nations with Cronin, I I think that was. 10. I wouldn't have him in a definite bracket no I okay. think he will go by the way I do think he he'll, yeah. he'll ultimately I, yeah.
0: win the battle here yeah. but you think he should be in it okay that's fine I'm going to pump him in which means that now we've only got 19 certainties so okay. uh, we're back to 12 teams uh, uh 12 uh spaces to fill second row is James Ryan and Devon Toner definites uh back row I've got four definites here out of five places um which is kind of unbelievable uh, Peter Amaty Josh Vanderfier CJ Sander and Jack Conan yeah no disagreements there okay move on to the backs then right uh scrum half only conor murray for now um out halves i've got both sexton and carberry as definites and then to go to the wingers i've stockdale and earls and larmer as a winger first but again he's obviously covered for full back um bundy gary ringrose and robbie henshaw i think we'll all go and rob carney yeah Okay. Fair enough, Yeah. Okay. So, so that's so that's
1: nineteen. I'd make an addition. I think the of your three locks. Yes. I think you would, I have two locks. Yeah. yeah. I think it should be three. I think it'll be Henderson, Toner and Ryan.
0: Okay. Okay. Grand. Okay. So we'll 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 move on because we've got two locks to pick from four. Yeah. So you can say it's one from three. Um. If we add Henderson into it. So starting with the battles, I'll I'll go through them really quickly and then we'll come back to them in detail. Okay. So for a loose head, it's uh, Jack McGrath versus Dave Kilcoyne. Uh, one place available there for tight head two places available between porter john ryan and um Bielham, who we wouldn't have said only that we're going by what the 44 man squad was I, I we when we talked earlier in the year um we didn't have beelham as that third choice yeah we liked
1: marty moore um, um, who yeah. actually like had a weird season in that the like Martin Moore is the most we appreciated Marchmore Moore all season was the when he got injured in the semi final and we saw what happened in his absence to the scrum yeah. like that's when their scrum from the game they lost against Connacht up in Ravenhill to that day was impeccable and I think a lot of that was down to him but his I don't think his, he was as appreciated because of that I also don't think Schmidt like you look at the South Africans South Africans seem to just want their profit of scrummage and we know that's not what Schmidt is about so I, I wonder how much that bared into that but I think um Finley Beaton had a stormer this year. I think he seemed to really, really suit the side of rugby that they're playing. He's a guy who, uh, in the opposite bracket of Moore, has an unbelievable contribution in open field, and maybe not isn't as as technical yeah. in, in, in you know set pieces. But other than that, I think um,
0: he's he's had an amazing year. Yeah, and Ireland need ball carriers at the moment uh, more than ever, really. Uh, Hooker, then we're going to back to three. Two spots available from three, which is Sean Cronin, Niall Scannell, and uh, Rob Herring. Um, Locks then, you're saying Henderson is in. I have Henderson versus Byrne versus Delan versus Jean Klein. Yeah. actually, who's is, who is in who's in the, the 44-man squad at the moment. There's two places available from that. And then the back row, one place available from Reese Ruddock, Jordy Murphy, and Tommy O'Donnell. And again, I don't, like, I don't mean to be disparaging about any of those guys, but when you think of the talent that's missing, when you think of where we were with the back row at the start of the year versus where we are now, I think any of those guys could do a job. And Jordy Murphy definitely showed later in the year. We know what Reece Ruddock's about. Tommy O'Donnell never stays fit and it would be amazing to see him at a World Cup. I wouldn't begrudge it to any of them, but it shows you the loss that Levy and Sean O'Brien are that we're kind of looking at these guys.
1: Yeah, it's very- Levy, I think, Particularly, um, you mentioned the ball carriers aspect. That's, I think, this is massive. Um, the I think the one lesson that we took from Six Nations is that Ireland. When you even scrape the surface, probably can't match the physicality of nations like England and Wales. And uh, I know I keep I've brought it up twice already on this podcast, but so I'm going to bring it up once more. If it's South Africa in a quarter final, that is exactly what you want, and yeah. the absence of it could be crucial.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, quickly then, through these uh, scrum halves, um, we're saying two. We think there's going to be two, even though he only brought he only brought two overall last time between um, uh, Luke McGrath, uh, Kieran Marmion, and uh, John Cooney. That's an interesting battle. I can't wait to get into that one because everybody's open. Then one or zero, depending on kind of how it goes. Um, there might be no how haves extra brought than what we already have, but Jack Carty and Ross Byrne will be uh, fighting out for that spot. In the center, again, might be zero, might be one more, but the three kind of that are there are Chris Farrell, um, Addison, and Scannell. Addison, of course, is the only one there that probably plays all of the back five scannel can obviously slot in a 10 if needed uh, farrell just the center really um on the wing then you've got andrew conway or dave kearney again that's either one or two but that depends on whether there's a fullback slot available which would be mike Haley and obviously addison comes into it as well so that kind of gets a little bit complicated and i'll get into it i might treat the center wings and fullbacks as one discussion yeah. when we get to it yeah happy enough fair enough yeah okay have your thoughts ready to go because i'm ultimately going with what you decide here okay yeah i've done the setup you're making the hard calls okay so start right who do you want between the long-term uh incumbent in the position jack mcgrath and the man who kind of ousted him this year in dave killer kill coin from munster see i there's and this will be a we we should clarify at the very side of this there's an asterisk at all of this there
1: is there's two different strands to this right there's the squad that you would like to see picked and the squad that you think will be picked yeah and we're going do.
0: with think that we're going with the one we want though, exactly because, yeah we're picking it yeah
1: so this is a squad that we would like to pick so on that basis i think that this is actually isn't even a contest i think david coin's body of work over the last two years versus um Chris McGrath has been kind of stark, and I know that a lot of that's down to McGrath not getting game time, and that's probably the reason behind his move. That's obviously the reason behind his move, but I still think that Gilquin's body work, especially the impact he had in Six Nations games, was was brilliant actually. Yeah, to,
0: and a rare good performer in this year's Six Nations.
1: Yeah, and um, off that basis, that I think uh, Gilquin has to start, but I think McGrath is going to get the nod do oh, you schmidt. yeah i think i i there's just i have a really sneaky feeling that he's going to give regard the nod even though i think uh I, you think he was just putting the frighteners up him earlier on dear i i yeah i do yeah like i i i think that the, like i don't want to be too too harsh here but i there seems to be a certain element of reverting to not conservatism that's the wrong word but what you know yeah. with schmidt and in that chat, kind of thought i think he's going to revert back to cronin i think uh any of the questions that we brought up and has been brought up elsewhere about whether or not Rory Best should continue as captain as hooker would never even entered his head. I think that, yeah. would, that was never really a question. I think Kearney is always going to start a full-back. Um, the, the, I think just these straightforward calls, if you look throughout you know Smith's reign he's nearly always opted for what looks like the yeah. the assured call which is why everyone was so panicky about the idea that he picked Robbie Henshaw for back <laughs> yeah
0: exactly because yeah, what's going on this is a key key position this is somebody who's probably the first replacement on barring injuries coming on maybe 55 minutes in a game for Keane Healy he might even start to I would have said in a normal World Cup, this person would start two group games, but I think the way it's going with our, for our main two games first, followed by two, I don't think he'll leave out Healy for two games in a row, but he'll start either one or two of the group games and have a huge impact and a huge place off the bench. So you want the guy in form, and I think you want the ball carrier as well in Kilcoin, but again... Um, I think I don't know. It's it's interesting you say that. I would pick Kilcoyne as well. I think it's a unanimous decision that we're going for in terms of the what we want. In terms of the, what we think, I think Kilcoin does have a, a head ahead ahead of McGrath. And we'll see how they get on in the warm ups, and obviously Schmidt will know how they're getting on in, the, in 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 the training camps. But yeah. I I think that he's the guy with the jersey. I have to say, and I'm not sure that. We'll see what uh, Jack McGrath kind of does. We'll definitely see a, a lot of them, I think, because I don't think it's it's a cut-and-dry decision at this stage. In terms of tight head, then, we know Tyg Furlong is going. Who will be the two joining in between Andrew Porter, John Ryan, and Finlay Beelum? Um Again, this is what you want rather than what you think. I think if we were picking what we think, we're very sure that it'll be Porter and Ryan and what it's been, and there's no kind of room for a bolter there. But um, would you pick Bialum as a bowler? No, I don't think so. Okay, um, me th- neither. Actually, I th- yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> I th- yeah. I think the
1: the like I, you go back to there. There's key indicators always that the Josh always used to reference. I remember um, people were kind of surprised. when Miami started the game. They bet New Zealand last year, and I remember the last time they played New Zealand before that. Miami came on and played in the. Bench and did really well, and in his post-match briefing with the media, not with TV, Schmidt was lavish about the impact Schmidt uh, had that time. And I remember for 2018, knowing that Maiman was going to start if Murray wasn't fit, I just knew it. I knew yeah. he'd reward that, and he did. And again, after that game, he has a long of, memory with these yeah, things. Exactly, as well. he
0: knows who he can trust, and, was, he? and Ryan in, has always been a player he's trusted.
1: Exactly, yeah. and Ryan. In the same, um, in the last November series, Ryan had a huge impact and was actually, it's the same thing, named off twice in post-match. I think that just, I, I would put a certain amount of stock in that. I thought it was, I remember after the New Zealand game last year, the first thing, Schmidt was asked the question and decided to answer it with uh, a totally irrelevant, it was totally irrelevant to the question, but he just wanted it, I think he in his head wanted to put in the record, I'm so proud of Kieran after this game. He just put it straight away, it was the first thing he said after the game, and but a similar token, I think the praise that he's put on Ryan, this is a man who's careful with his words and I think mm. based off that, you can read something into them, so I, I think Ryan gets it But in there. terms
0: of what you want to see, I you s- would tend to s- agree s- that he deserves I to s- keep I his think base? so, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Munster scrummaging this year has been, That's it's a big thing for Munster this year, I mean they're trying to marry, like, uh, getting a bit more of an expansive game with the Seppi, Samal that they have, which is brilliant, and Ryan brings a huge amount in that, he maybe he doesn't do enough outside of that, around the pitch, but I think if that you know you've that expectation for a starter i don't think that necessarily has to carry over for somebody who's coming off the bench so I, th- I yeah i think ryan gets an odd there
0: okay so we need two second rounds i think this can be a quick enough discussion i even had henderson in as a talking point because i kind of have him in the same bracket as burn but i do have both of them a good bit ahead of the and client as much as ulton Delan's had a great year like again we're going i'm almost sure those two will be brought i think that joe hasn't shown uh hasn't shown a real commitment to the land over the like in the six nations he had plenty of chances really um kept him involved and kept him kind of on the brink but i've never got the impression that he was his guy yeah um so thinking that i again to what will Joe Schmidt do? I think we're both going to go with Henderson and Byrne. What we want to see, though, do you have any deviation from that? Not, no, not really.
1: Like, uh, I, the I think, had, there's two, two. actually, he played the Scotland and, no, sorry, he didn't. He played the France and the Italy game in the situations yeah, due
0: to, a, like, a unbelievable... In, yeah, so of injuries he, play, and, he played yeah. with,
1: um, with Quinn Roo for the Italy game. I thought he was great that day. I thought mm. he did the way he carried. And he always, always has a huge impact off yeah. the bench. So if it became to a stage where you were looking at, instead of doing a 4-5 split between your back row and front row, and you decided to include somebody like Bernard Henderson as cover for your back row, I think the land should be in there ahead of, There's like, there's been a lot of good noise Klein. coming. Klein, is, there's been a lot of good noise about him. Like, people are really impressed with his, I, I saw at the last media briefing, the players were talking about Klein leading the way in terms of the fitness challenges in the gym and the numbers he's putting up there, but... I don't know how much sock you can put in that. I, in terms of basic performance if there was a question mark over that, if it's maybe if it was a a five-four split, the other hand though, the other way with somebody like Bernard Henderson able to cover the back row, I think the extra player there would be Delan, but or should be Delan sorry, but mm. won't be. I, I, I don't think. I think yeah. Henderson, Ryan, Toner, Burn is the okay. Is the and
0: Burn like you know had his one game against Wales that didn't really go that well. One great turnover, but it didn't. It wasn't really his day. And he waited and waited for that chance, but his club form will get him over the line. Like he has to. Be. He's too dynamic a player not to be in a thirty-one man squad, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think so. He he, t- he kind of tailored off weirdly towards the end of the season. So you had the the Saracens game, which they just hunted him out. Like they just li- yeah. literally hunted him out. They didn't give him a. a space to breathe, really and uh that was pretty obvious and i think it, it seemed to have a knock on effect where you just kind of like the the break will no doubt do him good i think when you move club and you've got a finish a season where you've such a strong run as Scarlett did and then he comes into munster and he's hitting the ground running with a pre-season he probably didn't have a huge amount of a break there and i wonder how well the last month or so would have done to him so yeah. uh in terms of his form i wouldn't have any concerns yeah. about the way he finished the year or the even that the you mentioned that Arden appearance as well but
0: he took a lot on for Munster last yeah. year and he was like their main man in two or three aspects of the game and you think you know even for Munster next year like you know you think like Klein will take that kind of maybe a leadership in the line out and maybe he gets a little bit more help at the breakdown you know throughout the year and it just kind of maybe just takes the load off a little bit but it, it did make sense that he kind of ran out of gas a little bit at the end of the year and that's not going to affect the World Cup at all no, like, you know no. Um, we skipped uh, Hooker Where our captain uh, Rory Best uh, Will 100% go to the World Cup To finish his career uh, But he is 36 years old Nearly 37 And whoever has gone behind him Is going to see significant game time And rightly so And who are the two We're both saying So you're saying Cronin is not a definite That it will be a discussion But in terms of us both picking it I, but me anyway I think Cronin has to go
1: yeah as an impact player off the bench like the, the this is you know we the conversations about your impact in the loose versus in the tight always reserved the props really and yeah. I think it's equally as pressing for your hookers like the A I think there's been a Big question mark over Cronin's darts, kind of rightly for the last yeah, year rightly, or so. Yeah. And the other thing is that his scrummaging. Um, I there was a scrum under the post when Ireland had the series against Australia. Cronin and Cronin lost his bind, popped his shoulder, and ne- like n- nearly spun like a corkscrew like uh, in the scrum, and I, he was taken off within minutes. Of and I think that had as big an impact as any mistro or uh, office stuff would have for yeah. a player like that. So I th- there.
0: Uh, it's a concern.
1: Concerns exactly. They're but concerned. do we
0: have somebody that's better that offers more in in the game in yeah, the yeah, overall? That's game? exactly
1: where it's going. No, like yeah. we don't. So Scanlon is probably. I think better. He's a better scummer because he's heavier and he's throwing is good, but he doesn't do as much around the pitch as someone like Cronus. He's not going to have the same impact in terms of. Yeah. You mentioned ball carriers like Cronin is. A, that's his. He's a trademark ball carrier. Yeah. Um. And for that reason, I think he goes and is the second choice. He's the guy who comes off the bench after yeah. the hour fifty minutes.
0: And like, if I if you had ask me six months ago, I I can't say I know a huge amount about Rob Herring. Obviously, I see him whenever we see him. You know. Um. But. I would have told you that I wouldn't have been the biggest fan of Scannel. I feel like he played well last season, though. And I I think we had a conversation, I don't know if it was on the show or not, where we were kind of going, what does he do very well? You know, he's he's okay at everything, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's like, but we're talking about it international here. We're talking about the World Cup. And I think as the year went on last year, I saw a lot more in him. And I have to say, I thought he was more dynamic around the pitch. I thought his darts became very, very good. You know, and as you say, maybe he's good in the scrum as well. He was good at the breakdown for Munster as the season went on last year as well. Something that they badly needed. And I think that, I think he had one of his best ever years. And I don't know whether that was me watching specifically to see what he was doing well or whether his form improved massively, you know? And I think it might have been the latter. And I think that might get him the nod again. But I, I, again, I, I don't know. Schmidt still seemed to like Herring, you know? Yeah, like the and the thing about Herring, right, is that um,
1: if you were to look at it in the cold light of day without any sort of sentimental value at all, um, Roy Best is not the best hooker in Ulster. He's, like, he's right now on the is. Form over the last year, he's just not like I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about in terms of sheer performance value, like the from Dan McFarland's perspective, I don't think he would, he would be worried about a drop off in what he's getting from his hooker next season versus last season, and okay. uh, that's just uh, br- brutally honest. Is uh, that
0: because Rory Best is at a point of his career though where he can only rise himself for certain games, and he has done for Ireland? I would imagine that what we see at rob herring at ulster isn't what we see at a rory best for ireland yeah if you know what i mean ab-
1: absolutely yeah um i think there's a huge amount in that i think he's a very good captain and even the really simple stuff like the way he communicates with referees and st- yeah. i think I, I think he he manages all that really really well um but just in terms of sheer performance level i don't see, and i think i wonder how much stock you put in that as a as a manager like Schmidt, like as, a, as when he's looking at it from what he would get in terms of contributions i think that that's probably waiting there. But in saying that the he will not deviate from this. Like that there's it's been a kind of a a discussion point in the background all year about best form or concerns about best form. I I don't think um it's even entered into the Irish thoughts to be honest.
0: Yeah, you bring, you've gone this far with him. Yeah. It's kinda you have to go one more on, which but, could be costly
1: I mean do, yeah. like I, there's a, as I said there's a certain element of sentimental value in doing something like that but I, there's other f- aspects too away from just sheer like in the KPIs that will
0: uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> God there's KPI mentioned on one of our podcasts that's uh, that's grim uh, <laughs> so again going with who we want here I am more than happy for you to make the decision for both of us on Scandal versus um Herring, no. and it's who do you want to bring to the World Cup, not who you think will be brought? Right, Scanl. Okay, Scanl, right. So we're in full agreement and we have nearly through the forwards. There's only one place up for grabs in the back row, though. It's Reese Ruddock, um, it's Jordy Murphy and Tommy O'Donnell. Now, I'll just tell you what I think and I'll hand it over to you, all Right. For me, Reese Ruddock is the choice in terms of international rugby player who you would bring to a World Cup as a player over both Murphy and O'Donnell, okay? However Tygburn Henderson Stander Even Conan Can all Fit in his position And they're going anyway Yeah Josh Vlander Doesn't have any Direct um, Competition Reese Rudder can absolutely Play there Right As can O'Matney As can Stander But are any of them Better Specific number sevens Than Jordy Murphy Or Tommy O'Donnell
1: which is why I think Jordy Murphy is uh, nearly almost a certainty to go on the plane. To, yeah, okay. And, uh, but I'd pick Roy Uh Yeah. Uh, I the, every single time there's a question asked of him and he's asked to fill a spot for Ireland, he delivers every single time and I remember watching the Leinster Munster game I was at this in the ODS the semi-final and he captained Leinster that day and his impact in the second half was incredible like he was standing in as a uh, scrum half, he was running support lines to the stage where uh, Cronin funnily enough made a breakaway he ran in but stood in a scrum half and played the ball out from, from there like he every time he's asked to step in and fill a void that was I mean you gotta bear in mind that that stage we were concerned about was Josh Allen flyer going to make um, a squad. There was obviously uh, Dan Levy who's gone. It's funny the way the back row has evolved, right? Like if you just before last, if you'd come back to we go back to our conversation in January of this year, I think both of us thought Jack Conlan wasn't going to make the World Cup squad. He was, mm. a, it wasn't. And now too, he's on the. He point. was too especially and now he's a certainty yeah. because of his Six Nations form. It's funny the way that those things evolve, and also because of because of injuries and stuff like that. the The reason that I think that you could still bring. Rudick was the best Ireland row we saw last year. Was this Scott? Sorry, this season, this current year, was the Scotland game when Sander went to seven, Colin went to eight, and the was on the other side. That was the best. It was as a as a unit. That was the best they played. Yeah. And I, that is, I think that's an option. It, it was. I. I think that would suit CJ Sandry. Mm. D- definitely.
0: You're just playing a different kind of open side, then, aren't you? Like you're playing guys who are good there to be to to jump in as the jackal, but they're they're not so used to being there as the first guy to to every tackle. You know, I I they're not Richie McCall's. None of them are, you yeah. know, so, um, and that changes up the entire. So you got to remember the dynamic of the. But neither is Sean O'Brien. and he's been there. He's been successful at playing there for Ireland for a long time as well. You know. Yeah, and the reason I think that
1: balance worked right is you don't. I don't. You don't view that in the context of a back three. You view it in the context of a back five. So Devin Toner was injured. He didn't play. So you had like more. Intentions just more like dynamic. He's more dynamic. He's a guy who actually can. You know be this, an absolute fiend at the breakdown you've probably got a way more expectation on somebody like O'Mahony in a scenario like that and the amount of work he has to do but I, I think that's an option that's an option that I would pursue so my what I would and what I want to put down for us I Rise should go I'm but I think a, Jordan yeah. Murphy will go
0: yeah no we'll, we'll look we'll, when you're, you've heard that when you're reading the article later you'll see that but our choice you're I have I made a case against Rhys Ruddock while setting you up here and I've just shown you my sheet that has reached on okay. the spot. Because I agree with you completely. I just think that there's there's enough things that you can do to mess around to to fit someone. Especially as someone who's always there in the big occasion. Someone who knows how to get a try for Ireland. <laughs> it's no small thing, really. But just such a leader. I think he's a very, very natural leader. And I think if you have the choice of having him in the squad or not, I think you probably should, should go with him. it. Yeah, you know? I, agree. I think there's probably enough options there. You basically as well with Byrne and Henderson in there you can have seven back row options um on any particular given uh given day and I think that Ruddock you know there's no midweek team obviously in the Ireland but we will have the kind of two lesser games one of which I think will be more or less a second team and I think Ruddock is a good captain for that team as well that needs to go and get the bloody job done you know yeah. um and needs to win well and needs to kind of keep confidence up back rows or uh, excuse me scrum halves Uh, We think there's three going. We both agree on that. We don't really need to go into it in in, in too much detail. And that would leave Murray 100% there. I think Kieran Marmion, rightly so, will be on the plane. And I think if you agree with me, we can kind of skip over that and leave the choice between Jack McGrath and Cooney. The problem with just putting Marmion in there and the reason I don't have him as a definite is because these three guys are on a level. Like it's, you know, and we saw what Cooney did when he eventually got the chance in the Six Nations and McGrath when he came back from injury was fantastic again for Leinster and looks like he almost stepped up a level. Like it's an... It's actually... We've got Conor Murray... Is, uh, say if he's a 10 out of 10. We've got three guys that are there as a 7 or 8 out of 10 all on the same level.
1: Yeah, so the... um, What I think... I, I agree. So... Uh, right, Marmion, I think is will, will definitely get picked. And I, I to go back to the New Zealand game. Uh, I, I remember that game. He finished with he was one of the leading tacklers that day. His defence contribution was in, uh, incredible. Um, I, Schmidt, as I said afterwards, kind of hailed him, and I think that will, will carry him over. He got injured, came back to form, immediately scored a hat trick for connaught Um, so I I don't think form is a concern at all either. I think he's on the plane. I just wonder about the makeup of the. I I think you bring three and three. I think Smith might go at five, and so
0: five he, of nines and ten. Yeah, yeah. So which he did in two thousand fifteen. And yeah. if
1: if he does, that's Cooney on the plane. The Cooney covers nine and ten. That's what what he'll do. Okay. And Carberry, somebody who can. Worst comes to worst, would probably uh, slide across nine. But if he if he does, I think the best makeup of that would be Sexton, Carberry, Murray, Mariam and Cooney. That's in that scenario. I think that's. Uh, like we, we for the purposes of this, I actually think we should pick three and three, um. And in that case, I think it's Murray, Marmion, and Still Cooney because okay. of that ability to cover across. Yeah. Um. Which so is unbelievable.
0: going to miss out. It's unbelievably harsh. And would you uh, choose that?
1: I think I would. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I would. I, like, like there's. If you're, it's really hard to pick always in a guy like Luke McGrath. But if you were to, I think you'd probably go back to the Champions Cup final last year and look at that. Um. You. Look at Schmidt's selection record and what happens with, like, like to be honest, I think in Schmidt's mind, McGrath is probably ahead of Cooney. But yeah. then you you have to read something into Six Nations form as well and how that went. So the the and as you mentioned there as well, it's worth bearing in mind this is a toss up.
0: Mm. Right. So the the it's funny I have McGrath down and I have beside it last spot and I've got a lot of kind of scribbles and stuff like that. It was literally the last thing I filled in because I didn't know whether we were going to go with another you know center or like a Will Addison type or you know maybe even a Mike Haley but I I, and couldn't choose between McGraw and Cooney either you know what I mean so I'm more than happy to go with with your Cooney selection there but I just I I feel like that is that's going to be the one that we don't find out until you know that's the one that we're going to be waiting on the day the squad's announced yeah and I think either any of these guys anyway like you know they need to kind of stay ready as well because there's going to be call-ups and um, they could still play a part in the World Cup, but we do have four international scrum halves. It's kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I think that if there wasn't as big a question mark, for those who aren't following this, Sexton's currently out injured. He has some injury. He he sat and watched in Toman Park last week. Um, Didn't look too happy to be watching in Toman Park last week. I think if there wasn't as big a question mark over Sexton's form, he would definitely only pick two out-halves. But the only thing is that is that question mark the need for depth there so if if, if there wasn't that f- factor I'd nearly certainly say he's only going to pick five and he get an extra player something like Will Addison who can be a bit more versatile in, in the backfield in but because of that I I wonder will that play into the factor that'll be a three and three split
0: yeah okay so if it's three and three are we agreed that it's going to be Sexton and Carberry, and Carty without going into it too much just to save a bit of time uh,
1: are we agreed Carty, that's that, 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 Carty's it, ahead of Burn. that it should be or that it will be both, no, it it should be Jack Carthy. It would I it will be Ross Byrne. I, Do you think so? I, I think I the way Simon Eastry spoke last week. I don't, I don't want to read too much into it. I, I think Ross Burn is back ahead of Carthy, and it will be it it'll be the biggest talking point of the squad. If I was to make a prediction, I think uh, one. Like it's not a it's not an outrageous call, so I'm not going to pretend it is. But I think Ross Byrne is going to make the squad, and I think he shouldn't. I think it should be Jack Carty.
0: <laughs> That would really surprise me. Now I thought that Carthy had a good lead on Byrne there, and, and we don't know what's going on in camp, I suppose. But uh, right, okay, I think we're both picking Carthy. Both picking Um yeah. Okay, Grant. Um, for standalone centers, again, we're probably looking at this as a back five situation where we now have. Um, uh, sorry eight places right um of those eight places we've already filled it with Henshaw Ringrose Aki, Stockdale Earls Larmer and Kearney (laughs) which leaves us with a choice between Chris Farrell Addison Scannell um Conway Dave Kearney and Mike Haley yeah um for me, i go with Conway all day. I have to say, I think he can cover full-back wing. I think you need an actual winger rather than... There's just too few players there to be putting in just the versatile guy who can kind of play anywhere like Addison. I feel like you're going to go for Addison, though.
1: Uh, no. No. I um. So the reason that I think that there w- we might see some cuts in the scrum half-out-half, half, the reason I think that could be a five yeah. is because of this. Because yeah. uh, I would put... Um, I don't know if he can put good money, but if I had it, I'd put good money on there being four centers on the plane. Ringo, Zaki, Henshaw, Farrell. I think that's wow. he's, he's going to pick. Um, I, I think Farrell is, uh, I'd be, I would be surprised if Farrell isn't on the plane at this stage. We are in
0: an unusual situation where the four wingers and fullback we played there aren't suitable to play in the center.
1: No. So, which, is
0: a, which is an unusual situation. Normally, you, now Keith Earls will be the one who does if needs be, but normally you would have like, you know, a Shane Morgan type back in to the there, yeah. Tommy Bow who you would be comfortable putting in at thirteen if needs be. But yeah that's kinda not the situation at the moment.
1: No. So um the the there is a bit of versatility in your back four in the scenarios uh, like a Kearney, Stockdale, Earls and uh Larmor in that Larmor can probably cover full back and wing. Um Stockdale has now covered full back and wing. Yeah. The I don't think the Henshaw experiment is dead. So uh, Ireland have we've got um, three, I think, preseason games in August, and another couple in September too, I think. Um, so you've got they're playing Italy, yeah, Wales, and England in yeah, August, and playing uh, England, uh, playing, and playing Wales twice. Playing, sorry, so it's four, yeah, yeah. Um, playing Wales twice. So I the what happens in those games, you can read a lot into what happens in those games. Yeah, I think. And if Henshaw, if you see Henshaw back at fullback, that's the vindication for me that he's going to looking at a a tri- five man. Uh, half-back partnership and an extra spot. So that would free up a spot here. So what I'm... And I actually think this might be the best option, to be honest. I, so what I think... If it was up to me, it would be Ringo's, Ackie, Henshaw, Farrell. You'd have two out-halves and then in your back three, you'd have Kearney, Stockton, Earl's, Lamour, plus Conway or Addison.
0: Okay. And would you go with Conway or Addison? Uh, I'd go with Conway. I think he'd go with Allison. Okay. Okay. I think Conway too, but who so do you leave we, we, out then is it you leave just in terms of us making the squad you leave out Carty then as the fifth as the sixth person yeah and bring in Farrell but you think there's a need for that fourth out and out centre
1: yeah given that he I think Farrell brings something so different and uh if you're looking for something to do that off the bench think about Farrell right Farrell is a bit more of a versatile player than he's given credit for. He yeah. actually kicked. I, I don't have the stats here in front of me. He kicked a lot more than you think for Munster last year. They, like kicked as being. He got, so Munster had somebody like Scanlon, somebody like Farrell, who could kick from the centre. It gave them. They didn't use it properly, but it gave them a bit more of a dynamic edge. Um, then in this scenario, this possible scenario, you somebody like Henshaw who can cover into fullback and at first. I I would be surprised if Farrell isn't. I think he should, and I think he could. Be in the squad for the World Cup.
0: That's what I go with. Okay. Interesting. Right. So, if going by what Mara said there, the squad, the 31 man squad that World and Union, Balls of the East, Rugby podcast, has picked for the World Cup, we are not Joe Schmidt. We do not know more than Joe Schmidt. <laughs> we've given you our reasons, okay? Is a front row of Keen Healy, Dave Kilcoyne, Tyke Furlong, Andrew Porter, John Ryan, Rory Best, Sean Cronin, Niles Scannell, okay? Uh four uh second rows of um James Ryan, Devin Toner, Ty Byrne and Ian Henderson, five back rows of Peter O'Matinee, CJ Sander, Jack Conan, Josh Van der and Reese Ruddock, which I think was the one that uh we both were surprised we agreed on. <laughs> and then uh three scrum halves of Connor Murray, um uh Kieran Marmion and Can- John Cooney. Yeah. And only two out halves, Johnny Sexton and Joey Carberry, and f- then centers of Henshaw, Ringrose, Aki, and Farrell, and then five back trees, basically, which would be Jacob Stockdale, Keith Earls, Jordan Larmour, uh, Andrew Conway, and Rob Kearney. Yeah. Okay. Would you be happy with that squad? Would you fancy that squad to give South Africa a game in the quarterfinal if they beat Scotland top the group?
1: Uh yeah, I, I, I that there's a nice there's a nice
0: balance to that squad. You got this is like Would you see them beating the All Blacks? If the, the All Blacks lose to South Africa that. and end up coming second in that group.
1: Well, uh unfortunately even if Ireland had Dan Levy and Sean O'Brien back, I think they'd lose <laughs> and, to the All Blacks. And Brian right O'Driscoll. Driscoll. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Okay, right. So it's it's somewhat positive, but um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good looking squad. It's amazing how you have these like thirty one players to pick from, and ultimately it will come down to a decision of where you're going to need the most cover because you might not be able to bring a third out half, you know, and you might need to have. A guy like John Cooney who can do it, but isn't an international out half in, yeah. in in a, in a, like an actual international World Cup game. It's kind of amazing that it comes to that. Isn't
1: exactly, it? yeah. And I think we'll revisit. It. I think we should revisit this after the preseason games, just purely because um, the change. I remember twenty fifteen that Tommy Donald came in, in and Stormer form actually got injured in those preseason games. There will yeah. be inevitable stuff. What we'll see. Experiment, t- experiments in those games that might maybe maybe not work out i th- Henshaw is going to get a run of fullback again yeah um people just have to prepare get make their peace with that yeah um, and you
0: don't know who's in form exactly For all yeah. we know like mike Haley, jean klein have joined the squad they could run amok dave carney could make a lazarus like comeback to the squad he's like not a million miles away you know <laughs> what i mean he's like if, if there's one injury to a winger you got to think that uh, that Carney is definitely Close, at least yeah. in pole position. So, but like again, as your point, my point is though, when we see the warm ups, when we see kind of a bit more reporting from the camps, we'll know form will definitely come into it. Injuries will play a part as well. So like the people that we mentioned that we've ruled out there, like Balem, like Delan, like Tommy O'Donnell, um, and these guys, you know we don't know what's going to happen between now and when the squad needs to be named and there's going to be there's definitely going to be injuries come into it and then certain positions will need more cover based on the injuries that we're saying like we're hoping that Johnny Sexton has a home injury that's going to keep him nice and fresh for the world cup it, yeah. and not rule him out of the world <laughs> cup you know so um we'll see how it goes um, we'll be back with you in a, in a few weeks to talk a little bit more about some of these uh, topics that are going around we'll have we'll we'll be with you in plenty of time for the first warm up game which I think is against Italy isn't it
1: yeah in August yeah, yeah the 10th so, I think the, okay yeah. so the
0: 10th of August so that's not that far away actually we're talking about a couple of weeks here so we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks um, until then you can listen to our GEA show we'll be back with you another one to guess the handicaps for for the All-Ireland semi-finals on Friday and uh, lots more rugby on balls.ie as well so check that out. Talk to you soon.